Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Listen intently. Listen intently. I want you to think, when's the last time you heard a sermon on heaven, hell, the judgment, or the second coming of Jesus Christ? It is priority in Scripture. Let's see what it says. First Thessalonians, fourth chapter. If you found that, I'm going to invite you to stand here in the auditorium. I want to read to you one of more than 300 passages of Scripture in the New Testament alone having to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen to the 18th verse. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's think about those words. Would you be seated? When the pen has written the last sentence of the history of time, there will be four events that will take preeminence. There will be four historical events that will have taken place at the end of time that will take preeminence over all others. The first one is the birth of Jesus Christ. That day when the Word became flesh, when God sent His only begotten Son, as John 3.16 clearly states, that Jesus gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. When we read over in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Number one, the day Jesus was born, everything hinges from that day. Before Christ, after death. That is the day that people, for the first time, saw what God was like when the word came became flesh. Number two, the crucifixion of the Son of God. It was on that day that sin was paid for. All sin was paid for if the person that had sinned would allow the Savior to pay for their sin. Jesus paid it all that day. John 19.30 says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. 
but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The crucifixion, second day of preeminence. It was that day that a sacrifice was made for the sin of the world. And whosoever will could come and receive that forgiveness because the blood of Jesus. The third, of course, is the resurrection. The third day that will go down in history as a day of preeminence was the day when that virgin-born baby who died on a Roman cross and laid his life down was buried on Friday and rose on Sunday. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fades not away, listen to this, that is reserved in heaven for you, me, for us. Resurrection Sunday. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus tells the 12 about going to Jerusalem and there he would be scourged there he would be crucified and the third day Jesus said I will rise again that's three those three you missed it you weren't there I don't know what you were doing that day maybe you had not been born yet but you missed it Number four, the fourth day of preeminence is yet to be determined whether you're alive or you're asleep. The fourth most preeminent day of all history, when all of it is written, will be the second coming of Jesus Christ. When this virgin-born, crucified, resurrected Lord Jesus will come back to this earth again. Not in um, humility riding on an old donkey, but he'll come on a white horse as Wade read a while ago as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And every knee will bow, Democrat and Republican. <laughs> and every tongue will confess in one accord that Jesus is Lord. What a day, glorious day that will be. How awesome it is. We question. We ask ourselves questions like, is it literally true? I can tell you the first three were, and the last one will be. All people don't agree about the details. Nobody knows the when. All people have the right to study the facts and the evidence surrounding the second coming of Jesus. But I want you to put aside any preconceived idea that you have. And as much as you would like to know a few more details, what more do you need to know other than Jesus is coming again? Well, I just want to know, is it before the tribulation or after? What difference does it make? Well, I've got my chart. And I listen to my favorite preacher, and I've read all of his books. 
Let me tell you how you know that a preacher is not telling you the truth. If he ever puts a date on the second coming of Jesus, you better throw that book away. And you can go to your calendar and mark that date out. I guarantee it won't happen on that day. Because Jesus says nobody knows the time, the day, or the hour when Jesus is coming again. He will come as fast as a fire alarm. <laughs> He'll come as quickly as a shout, as a bolt of lightning. Jesus is coming again. So the first question that most people ask, preacher, do you believe that Jesus is literally going to come back and rapture his children? Do you believe that? Well, Jesus said he would. Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man shall come in the glory of the Father with his angels, and then he will reward every man according to his works. That's Matthew. Here's what Mark said, 13th chapter, verse 26. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Luke almost copied him when he wrote in the 21st chapter of Luke, verse 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And then John 14 and 3, Jesus said, If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, he's coming back literally. Paul said, he's coming back literally. 1 Thessalonians 4, I've just read to you. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Not Moses, not Ruth, not your favorite Bible character. Jesus himself will descend from heaven with a shout. In the book of Jude, one chapter, 14th verse, Enoch said, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord will come with ten thousands of his saints. Old Testament. Every writer in the New Testament wrote about the second coming of Jesus. 318 times it is mentioned in the New Testament by the writers of the New Testament. When you go back and look, you will see that God used angels to proclaim his birth. We find that in Luke 2.10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. An angel announced the birth. An angel announced the resurrection. 16th chapter of Mark, verse 5. And entering into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. They were afraid. And the angel said unto them, Be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. At the second coming of Jesus, Acts chapter 1, And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, Two men stood by them. They were angels in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you shall see him go. The second coming is proclaimed by angels. These other things have taken place, and now the soon coming event. 
When Jesus went back to heaven, he left communion. He said, this do in remembrance of me. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, here's what he says. Here's what the scripture says. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes back again. How beautiful the scripture. How clear the scripture. How the Lord wanted all of us to be able to understand that we would not get confused about the Greek or the Hebrew or this dispensation or that dispensation. Jesus said, in the midst of all of your research and all of your study, please don't forget the main thing. The birth, the cross, the resurrection, and the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no reason for you to come here today and say, I don't know the Bible. And I want to study the Bible so that I can know more. Jesus says, but I want you to come as a little child. I want you to be born again. And then I want to grow you in the faith. So, yes, Jesus is literally coming again. Why is he coming back? He's coming back to reveal his glory. From an humble donkey to the white horse again. Every knee will bow. No longer is he the suffering servant. No longer is he the one that turns the other cheek. No longer is he the one that goes about forgiving sin. Now it's come the day of judgment. 1 Timothy 6, 15 says, Which in his times he shall know who is the blessed and holy potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will come back in glory. He will come back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So he's coming back to reveal his glory. Number two, he's coming back to reward his saints, to take us home, to reward us from our faith, to take us from the nasty now and now to the sweet by and by. He's going to come and rapture his church to prepare us for coming back with him to appear at the judgment seat of Christ. As the rapture comes, the Bible says we will meet the Lord in the air. And there will be those seven years of tribulation here upon the earth. It's the way I understand the scripture. And I know there are others that take it differently. And that's all right. God didn't put me on the planning committee of the second coming. And can I assure you, he didn't put you on it either. Excuse me. He did not put you on the planning committee. He put us all on the preparation committee. It does not matter who's right in the details in the itinerary. It doesn't matter how he gets to Houston, whether he comes from the west or the east. The fact is he's coming to Houston. If you're in Houston, you better be ready because Jesus is coming again. Oh, there's crowns that are talked about that are going to be put on the heads of those that have faithfully served the Lord, the crown of life for the martyrs. I'm told there are more martyrs today than any time in, in human history for the gospel. Not so much in America, it's the uttermost part of the world. Every week on the news, you'll see where Christians are being killed, where churches are being invaded because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And then there's a crown of glory where the faith, for the faithful proclaimers of the Word of God, the teachers of the Word of God. There's what's called a crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing is for the faithful soul winners and evangelists, those that do care that do want to make sure that they do nothing to offend a little one that's trying to get to Jesus, where the Holy Spirit almost has them, and by some careless, selfish act on their part, they keep that person from ever coming to the Lord. Those that are concerned about the lost, there is a crown. 
There's a crown of righteousness for those who have tried to be like Jesus. And the, and the scripture talks about a crown incorruptible. And Bible expositors talk about those that were able to stay sexually pure and to do that which God had planned to be done with that precious gift of sexual relations. Well, as we look deeper, we see there's one other thing. Not only does he come to glorify his son, to reward his children, but he comes to reject the lost. Please listen to me. Revelation 21 and 8. The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed and everlasting fire, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. Listen to me. Preacher, do you believe in a heaven? Yes. Do you believe in a hell? Yes. Well, I believe in heaven, but I don't believe in hell. You can't have a heaven without a hell. You see, you can't have one without the other. When we get to heaven, we won't have to lock the doors. When we get to heaven, and I'm going to be preaching on heaven soon, but when we get to heaven, all of us are just about going to have to get another job. I know I am. Bill's the only one that has a chance. There's going to be some singing in heaven, so they may need a leader. But I'm pretty much convinced there's no preaching. We don't need firemen, policers, teachers. We don't need a lot of this stuff anymore because former things are passed away. But when we look very carefully, why would a person that's living following Satan now believe that they could love God in heaven when they can't love God here? I heard a sermon this morning, Ralph West, Church Without Walls. He made an amazing statement. He said, we like to talk about amazing grace, amazing grace. He says, nothing amazing about grace. He said, that's who God is. What we ought to be amazed at is how many people reject the grace of God. We ought to be talking about amazing rejection. How in the world can God, can, can a person that God created out of nothing, microscopic, into a human being and bless them and they reject him in this life and believe, but one day I'm just going to praise him and love him. The Lord said, I know better than that. Go and serve the one you served here on earth. Some are going to be surprised. If you go to Matthew 13, verse 24 through 30, you'll see a story about the wheat and tares. It's a very interesting story. It simply says that wheat and tares, they look just alike on the outside. You can't tell one from the other. The only way you can tell the difference between wheat and tares, a farmer can't even tell it. You've got to open it up. One has wheat and one has tares. How do you tell the difference between the saved and the unsaved? You can't tell the way it looks. You tell what's on here, inside. And it says, just leave them there. When I come, I will separate them. And he says, the wheat to everlasting life, the tares to eternal damnation. When one rejects Jesus in the day of grace, in this day of grace, they will be rejected by God at the judgment. You see, God is going to say to all of us, what did you do with my son Jesus? I came up with a way. I sent a Savior, my only son. He did not have to die, but he died because somebody had to pay for sin. And there were none that I could send, but I sent my son. And God literally became flesh. So man would be without an excuse. Well, the third question is, is there any way, is there any way that we can know 
the time. First Thessalonians 5, 2 says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. Matthew 24 says, But of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We do not know the times, but let me tell you something. We know the signs. You ever make a trip across the coast and go to the West Coast, go into California? Do you drive out of Houston and you say, well, here's a sign, Los Angeles, so many miles. No, you don't see that sign, do you? But the closer you get to California, then you begin to see the signs. That's what the second coming when, when you begin to see these things, it says in that passage in Matthew, as it was in the time of Noah, so shall it be when Jesus comes back to the earth. And then he calls out some signs. I wish I had a lot of time today, but I don't, but I want to give you a real quick summary. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, as Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming? And when the question was asked, our Lord responded. He responded very quickly and very clearly. In verse 5, it says, There many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and I shall deceive many. Religions would rise up. Ministries would rise up. Where there was one that tries to take preeminence over Jesus, who's King of kings and Lord of lords, that sign would take place. Today, far more than when I was born, many, many times more are people that have gone after other doctrines and other leaders. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except by me. Verse 6 says there be wars and rumors of wars. Wars and rumors of wars. Today, if you're in a war, you know you're in a war. But to know there's a war going on in Assyria or Iraq or Pakistan or Iran or North Africa or wherever it might be, that's a rumor that comes some way through communication. Now we can sit in our living room and watch them fight on the other side of the globe. But the Bible says that nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Verse 7 says there be famines and pestilence. For those of you that are raised in Texas, those of you that know anything at all about agriculture, if any of you know anything at all about the water tables, you know that it is catastrophic what is happening, not around the world, but in Texas. For those of you that used to go to the hill country and tube down the rivers of the hill country of Texas, in a lot of those rivers, there's not any water today at all. It is gone. It is gone. If you bought corn Six years ago, you paid $3.50 for 100 pounds. Today, it's $10.50 a 100 pounds. When you read about the droughts worldwide, what's happening to, to all of these things, I've never seen it like this in my lifetime. I do know that the whole world is upset and concerned what's happening to our world. Crops plowed under, prices rising, Water tables falling. Verse 9 says Christians will be punished and martyred. Never before have we seen what we're seeing now. Verse 10 says there'll be conflicts between people. All will accuse others of being prejudiced. Every group 
will accuse the other group of being prejudiced towards their group. False prophets shall rise and deceive many. Verse 11. False prophets. Well, who are false prophets? They're people that come and they deceive people and they, they con them out of their money. They con them out of their allegiance. Their personal life is totally hid from them. Their financial world is hid from them. And they come up and they say, I don't talk about the things of God. I just talk about the things of the world. And I want you to come and listen to me. And I want you to feel good. And I want our crowds to grow. The Bible says, in the last days, many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And verse 12 says, because of sin, love relations and families are going to be be dissolved and fall apart. The penitentiaries right now, 80% of those in the penitentiary do not have a live-in father. Our marriages today are falling apart unbelievably. When I went into the ministry 50 years ago, if I married five people, four of them would be married in 25 years. You marry five people today and three of them are divorced in less than five years. The streets of Houston are filled with children running around with no daddy tonight. You don't have to go to the uttermost part of the world. All you got to do is just go down the street. In fact, you can go right through the community and you'll see what I'm talking about. The families has fallen apart because the men have gone after other gods. They have ceased to be men of God. They've ceased to be fathers. They think there's a higher calling and something more attractive and to run around and get involved in. And they've left their families and they've started following the things of the devil. And our families, it's unbelievable. What's going on? The verse 14 says the gospel will be preached to the rest of the world. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men will be lovers of pleasures as well as lovers of their own selves. It says there will be those that are disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. It says, from such, turn away. Look at that real quickly. Let's go back. Verse 12 of Matthew says that, I mean, verse 14 says the gospel is going to be preached to the world. I talked to Tom Eliff last week, and uh, he told me, Tom Eliff leads the International Mission Board of Southern Baptists. He said, John, we now have found and I've told you over and over again of those people's groups that are out there, more than 3,000 of them. It was 3,800. It's now dropped below 3,000. This is what he told me. He said, John, we now can translate the Scripture into any language on earth. A lot of them don't have alphabet. They're sounds. But we can put the Bible, listen, for $50,000 and 13 weeks we can put a Bible in the hands of an unreached people group and said, when you put the Bible in there, it goes like wildfire. See, it's one thing to feed and clothe and do that kind of thing, but when they hear the Word of God, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Now we can put the Bible in their hand. We can take the Gospel of John, the New Testament, all the Gospels, and lay it in their hands, and they can hear it, and we can come back to the United States, and God's Word will speak. Never have we had that possibility. Never could we speak as I am now to the entire world on the internet. Anyone, anywhere can pick up the signal. This is a day of getting the gospel out. There's those, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, they're going to love their own selves. That's pride. They'll be covetous. What others have, they want for themselves. That's kind of called the lottery. 
That's, that's called entitlement. Verse 2, disobedient to parents, no respect. Never has there been a day like this. Never, 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 never has there been a day like today of disrespect for parents. Man, I cannot imagine what would have happened to my little life if I'd have told my mother to shut her mouth. I can't imagine which hospital I'd still be in recovering from those days. I cannot, I cannot even, that's be off the charts for me to even think about. But now children have zero respect for their parents in many, 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 many cases. If mom and daddy are doing it, they're going to do it a different way. Ungrateful for what we have, verse 2. Sexual impurities, verse 3 of 2 Timothy 3. People be dishonest, verse 3. Out of control, incontinent, verse 3. Mean, fierce, same verse, verse 3. Traitors betraying the faith. Four, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And five, have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. That's the signs. Now you just take it home and you discern it. I, I wouldn't argue about you with any of the signs. You say, well, we got just as much of this back in 2,000 years ago as we got right now. That's okay. I'm just telling you the signs. You know, like Yogi says, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> All right? I'm just showing you this is what God's Word says. You go home and decide which way you're going to go. But how we can look around today and not see what's happening to our nation, to our families, to our personal lives, the depression, the anxieties, all of that kind of stuff, what's happening to our precious children and our teenagers, what the world calls entertainment, what pleasure draws people today and not say, at least the signs of the time are here like never before. Well... How do you get ready? Real simple. You confess your sins. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now admit it. You say, well, I'm just as good as you are. That's your problem. That's exactly your problem. Well, matter of fact, I'm just as good as the Pope. That's your problem. Well, I'm just as good as Billy Graham. That's your problem. Now, how do you stack up with Jesus? Oh, well, he's a different thing. You bet he is. He's coming again. Confess your sin. Number two, repent of it. That means you turn from it. You do an about face. You confess it, you repent of it, and you follow Jesus, and you obey him and him alone. That's called salvation. That's called being born again. Now we know that nobody knows the time. We know that nobody knows the hour. All we do know is Jesus is coming again. The stage is set. I do not believe that unless it is that one sign of the gospel be preached to the world, and it is being preached to the world right now, but by the thousands they're hearing it and hearing it, and they're coming by the tens of thousands in these last days. But that's not my problem and your problem. You know what my problem is? What about us? The gospel will be on a, so many radio and television stations today. So many churches, one on every corner, many different types of services and all the different types of churches. Our problem is not the people that have never heard. Our problem is those that have heard and have chosen to follow the world. What are you going to do? Jesus is the way. Jesus is the key. The church is not the way. Jesus is the way. As we close this service right now, every head bowed and every eye closed.
Interesting today as we did walk in this building that that fire alarm just all of a sudden started to go off. And then it went, went quiet and then a few minutes later it went off, went off. I don't know how many times, I must have heard it 50 times this morning. Boy, it comes quickly. You think we got it fixed and all of a sudden, whoo, here it comes. But quicker than light, Jesus is coming back to this earth again. Are you ready? All he says is, trust me. You don't have to touch, trust the preacher. I wrote it in my word. If you'll just be still and pray, I will speak to you personally. I will convict you of your sin. I will show your sin to you. I will show you it's not about how good you are. It's about the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But would you receive me? That's what he's asking. I've paid for it. You've got a free pass to heaven. But I've got some things I want you to do here on earth before I call you home by death or if I come back to get you. Would you do that? Would you serve? Would you pray and talk to me on a regular basis? Would you give of your time and your talents and your substance? Would you do that that others might know? And I'll go with you wherever you go. Nothing will be too hard for me. And when you can't handle it, I'll step in. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. I'm going to be there. And you're going to know this is just part of the trip. And the longer you serve him, the sweeter he'll grow. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me, senior adults. Last Sunday, there were 52 people that made decisions in our services and at the cross. They were from age 7 to 84 that invited Jesus into their life. Wherever you are today, Jesus wants to save you. Whatever you've done, by his grace, he's willing to forgive you. And by his mercy, he wants to receive you. And by his stripes, you can be healed. But you can never do it on your own. And so I want to invite you to do it right now. So in the quietness of these last few moments, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. There's a card right in front of you. If right now that you would just feel, you know, God, I believe this is my moment. I don't want to put it off because I don't know what another day is going to bring. But if you just pray that simple prayer from a broken heart and a repentant heart, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me today. Jesus says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, forgiven, born again, become a new creature in Christ. If you do that, if you have done it or will do it, I want you to take that card and just put your name on it and a way for us to contact you and I want you to go and take that card back to what we call the connection center it's a big lobby that's just off the main lobby out here in the front of our uh, building where Jesus is washing Peter's feet it's back this side of there there's another private lobby where you can go and talk with someone and they will help you and give you some things to take home with you they will pray with you if you still don't understand how you pray and it's right in the center of the building, just behind our television cameras and out there in that big foyer. Would you do that? Would you say, yes, Lord? Jesus may come today. If he does, you'll be ready. Not by works of righteousness, which you've done, but by his stripes, you will have been healed. Let's all stand together. 
No one moving, please, except those that must go to the Connection Center to pray with these. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment as we sing this, Take up thy cross and follow me, I heard the Master say. No one moving for a few seconds unless you're going to go to that Connection Center. Let's sing. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org. 